Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, everybody, Barama was good inside, I thought. Uh, Marek, they, they both did a really good job defensively inside uh, when they tried to go in there. And uh, we guarded the perimeter really, really well. Bucknell is a, is a pretty good basketball team. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be in the hunt at the end of the year for the NCAA tournament. We just played great, made shots, and, you know, they couldn't. We, we stopped them from getting shots, but then they missed some when they had opportunities. Well, I think Quincy and Bryson, we're trying to get those two guys ready. Uh, you know, that's important. I think, uh, uh, you know, those are two guys I'm most concerned with. And, uh, but, you know, we'll see how, how we go moving ahead. But Jesse gets overpowered in there a lot, but... He'll, he's, he's just got to get strong. He's got a good instincts for the game, especially on offense, and he's long. Three or four games into uh, Joe starting at point guard. What are you seeing from him, and uh, what does he need to improve on? He's been steady, very, very steady. Good decisions. You know, his defense has been good. He's rebounding out of our uh, out of our zone for the most part. Not tonight, but he has been. And uh, his sister turnovers are pretty consistent. You know, he's been very solid, very solid. He's a freshman. He's got a lot to, lot to learn, but he's, he knows how to play. Uh, your point is, I understand your question. You're wrong. Don't, do, don't devaluate a guy like Frank Howard. He's a good player. I wasn't. Well, you said better than any point guard. I, didn't, I, I said more offensively, but I didn't say who was better or worse. Frank Howard was a good player. That's all I, I agree. can tell you. Look, I'm not in this for you to agree with me, okay? I'll answer answer the question, okay? A very, very good football team. They deserve exactly where they're at. Uh, Defense made enough plays for them to win the game. Uh, Their special teams put them in situations where they could be explosive, and they did some really nice things and some of the things that we tried to do against them. And then their offense is just uh, outstanding, extremely explosive with dynamic personnel. What did you decide to put Clayton in for Tommy in that fourth and nine? He, you know, he had been taking some hits, and uh, he wasn't 100% out there, and and I didn't want him to be trying to do certain things where he wasn't full go. We needed uh, quarterback's legs. We wanted to do some things with the run game, and uh, the throws that we had to make, Clayton could make them. Tommy had did enough, so we took him out. Was he, it was your decision? It's not like he was unclear by the medical staff? It was my decision. Is there something in that third and nine play before you made the quarterback switch that you saw? Did Tommy take a hard hit on that play? Or? It was in the first half, Stephen, that he got hurt. And I don't want to tell everybody what the injury is because he has one more game. Welcome to the Q's Militia Podcast with those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe.
What's up, Cuse Nation? Thanks for tuning into the Cuse Militia Podcast with Sean and Joe. If you like it, please share it. The universal handle for the socials is at Cuse Militia. Go there. Join the militia. We are the only Syracuse sports podcast centered around giving you, the fans, a voice. Welcome. Happy Sunday evening, everybody. Happy, happy. Happy, happy. We went one in one Saturday. Um, the big one. The big one keeping the bull hopes alive didn't happen, but no. uh, the orange did uh, put a ninety-seven to forty-six hurting on Bucknell. They advanced to four and one, zero and one in the ACC, and Syracuse football team. They've got one one game left, so we'll go over the fifty-six thirty-four uh, loss to Louisville. But um, before we get into all that, it's time. To hear from the good folks over at manscaped.com. This is Joe's favorite read. This is Joe's favorite sponsor, the Sasquatch. Oh, okay. Lance Joseph. Stop it. <laughs> Here it is. All right, look. Um, it is No Shave November. That does not mean uh, you don't take care of yourself below the belt. You know, grooming is important. It's important. You don't want to be. Uh, you don't want to be a slouch, a bum, a scrub. Don't do that. Uh, use manscaped.com. We've got an offer right now for our listeners. You can get 20% off and free shipping. If you use the promo code armchair at manscaped.com. They have the lawnmower 2.0. It's got the skin safe technology so the trimmer won't nick or snag. No more accidents. And this trimmer is also rechargeable and waterproof. Use it right in the shower. It's great. So, anyway. And by the way. Use, use that trimmer there where it counts and uh, only there. But keep your face trimmer, your beard trimmer, in the face and beard trimmer drawer. Keep this one in the below the belt drawer. So <laughs> it comes with the crop preserver. It comes with the double-sided razor. It's called the plow. It comes with the moisturizer, the ball deodorant. It comes with the body wash. It comes with the cologne, which is fantastic. And it comes with... Um, there's something else I'm missing. There's something else I'm missing. But there is something else in there. And also, it comes with a toiletry bag. All fits right in there. Nice little kit. Uh, go to manscaped.com. Enter the promo code armchair. Get 20% off and free shipping. Use the right tools for the job. Manscaped.com. All right. Thank you, manscaped.com. All right, Joe. Um, what, do you, what do you happen to be doing right now? Joe's traveling. <laughs> Joe's traveling. <laughs> he doesn't usually walk around his place with the, uh, w- you know, while we're doing a show, but he must have an emergency right now. So, no, no, no? I'm good. No, okay. All right. False alarm. Okay. False alarm. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on there. You confused me. Uh, Syracuse put the battle down from the start and never let up. An 8 0 run and a 10 0 run in the first half helped shape a 51 26 lead heading into halftime. It was huge. I could not believe it. It's almost like a final score. Uh, an right. undeniable difference in this year's team, besides being fun to watch, is the ball movement, Joe. Uh, last year their assisting percentage was around 50% and they ranked 223rd in the country. This year, right now, so far, after five games, they are above 65% and they're ranked 10th in the country. Huge, huge difference. Um, And obviously they'll need that kind of team effort to continue as we approach conference play. Joe Girard, 12 points and 6 assists. Hughes finished with 21 points, 5 assists and 6 rebounds. 
Buddy with a career-high 22 points. He hit six threes. The Orange played up-tempo nearly the entire game, uh, helping force 23 Bucknell turnovers. They scored 37 points off of those alone, and they out-rebounded the Bison 44-32. to Joe, yeah, it's Bucknell. Yeah. It's Bucknell, right? I mean, whatever. But uh, let's take away the positives as we know them. Um, and, you know, uh, looking forward, Oklahoma State obviously will be probably the best gauge of the year. We will go over that game probably um, Monday evening. We'll do that show. But um, yeah. this Bucknell team is better than than a, than a 97-46 butt whooping, I would have to think. Yeah. Yeah, most most teams I feel are, but uh, like Jim Beheim said in his his press conference that again they we played out of our minds and they played the worst like yeah about as bad as they can play. So when you look at just the team stats, when you're when we shoot fifty six percent from field goals and fit forty eight percent from the three line, like you said, I mean between Elijah Hughes and and Buddy Beheim, they went eleven to eighteen from the three point line. Uh, made nine of 11 free throws, uh, like you said, out rebounded them by 12. But then I look at 25 assists. I mean, that's a huge number. Um, that if you remember last year, that number really wasn't always big. No, it was so, big a couple games, see, and that was it. Yeah, to see 25 assists, you know, obviously we know that we're, we move the ball around well to set up the shooters for their shots as far as three pointers. But again, like you said, we had a lot of fast break points and points off turnovers and things like that. So. Um, and then with the 14 steals, uh, 13 blocks, like you said, uh, I mean, just it's just a lot. I mean, we just overwhelmed them and we just kept going and we just couldn't miss. And it's, it's always fun to watch those games. But um, it was a blast to know, watch. And it's I great. just I just hope that people don't lose perspective or you know, expectation just over one game, you know, that's just, yeah, obviously not. Like I said, I think heading into Oklahoma state, that's going to be the best gauge of the season. I think that's the fairest way to look at that game. I think. And, um, well, I think this next stretch is next stretch. is Oh, important. oh yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, Oklahoma state. And then we got the winner of what? Iowa, no, Mississippi, or, or, Penn state, Mississippi, Penn state. That's right. So then we have Iowa, then Georgia Tech, right, then okay, Georgetown. And so we, we got five games in a row against uh, Power Five or, you know, tournament level teams. So uh, definitely going to be an interesting little five game stretch. I think that, that this this gauge, again, I think is very important towards uh, teamwork and just cohesion. Well, teamwork and, and looking at the non-conference schedule. And, and again, uh, it's a little bit different. So. It's going to be a different year when we look at the bubble because, again, we're going to have 20 conference games, so that could help overall for strength of schedule. Uh, there's two less non-conference games. So, again, how many non-conference game wins you can get kind of gauges how many conference games wins you need to kind of get to that magic number of 20, you know, that they like to say. So, right again, these next five are going to tell us a lot about our team, but also that's important for our growth as well. You can't just play a bunch of cupcakes. And then run into ACC play. So, yeah, well, that's what this next this little trip to New York City is going to be all about. And then coming out of there and playing at Georgetown. Georgetown played Duke pretty good for about three quarters of that game the other night. So they're and they've mm. been we've been slowly watching them get better. Unfortunately, so um, 
<laughs> but they have yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah. They've gotten a little bit better every year. So yep. um, they've gotten experience. Yeah, Patrick Ewing looks like he's getting yeah. those guys going. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was really happy to see. Um, it was it was fun to watch Buddy go off. I mean, he was just. I mean, I think he scored six six back to back and two threes at one point, and it was just. I mean, he was just lights out. It was it was just great. Yeah, it's awesome it, to watch that at that same corner right in front of his dad. Like yeah, yeah, it was like he hit three in a row, and each one was like one step deeper. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's it's fun to watch that stuff, you know. And Elijah, he had some good plays, some good passes. He had a monster uh, like, jam. His, he had a man monster jam. I liked his alley-oop pass he had there. So uh, Marix, no, you know, no look behind his head pass that he had to Gary Air. Yep. He had another coast to coast uh run too. Yep. Um yep. so yeah, doing things, man. It's all about it's all about it, it, getting the the experience and not even so much the confidence as it is just gelling with the team and, and finding out, you know, there was a lot of time to put in some subs and and kind of clear right. the bench. Got got a good probably four minutes with, you know, all bench players out there. And right. they looked pretty good. I thought I thought um, Jesse Edwards looked better with those other guys out there than he does with the starters out there. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if it has anything to do with anything, but uh, he did okay. Uh, yeah. Gary A. He he got he got going, and you know seemed to be probably the best one on the floor out of all the bench players. I don't think that's a big surprise. But right. you know, I was a little disappointed in Braswell. Man, he 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 was. Just not good. I, you know, maybe it's the maybe it's the seat time. You know, he's not getting out there a lot, and so yeah. he's just. Well, he had a couple steals and he had a couple of rebounds, but he also had the least amount of minutes as far as those that those group. reserves go. I mean, Goodine and Garrier is good to see them get. Like, Garrier had twenty four minutes. Goodine had twenty, so it's good to see them. You know, that's that's half the game, over half the game. So uh, it's good to see them get that type of experience in that in that game play. Jesse Edwards got 14 minutes. Howard Washington got 12 minutes. Braswell got nine. So um, that's what I mean by seat time, though. I mean he's not yeah. out there a lot, you know, and it kind of takes being out there and in in a game role where you can just you know get the feel for it and kind of settle yeah, in. But sadly, when you're in that position, I know. Like, so that, I know. that's what the off season's for, right? Right. And when you get into the season. There's a rotation. So then you have practice, and Beheim he takes a lot of consideration into what's going on in practice. But at the end of the day, when you're buried on the bench, that seat time that you can't that can't be an excuse. You got to get out there and perform if you want yeah, those you minutes. Gotta, you gotta so you fight go, well, your... If you don't, if you don't, then you're just going to get right, you know, go right back to the. It's only just going to solidify the reason why he's kept you on the bench uh, <laughs> previous up to this got, point, right? So you prove yourself uh, I mean, that's. And... Obviously, when, when, yeah. you, when you have a deep bench like this, that's what you wait for. When you're when you're sunk in depth, and you get an opportunity, you need to take that opportunity. You need to grab grab that opportunity by the cojones and the cojones. Uh, go to manscape.com. Make sure try to earn clean. yourself more minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, well, you know, here's the thing. I'm seeing seven guys. I'm seeing seven, right? Uh, Kinda. I mean, I think. But, seven, seven for normal, but I think that you could see up to nine for emergency situations. I'm not so sure. I, I'd uh, like to see eight regular gameplay. That's what my point is. But who's well? Uh, I mean, if you get Jesse, if Jesse Edwards can get in there, I, I would. I don't know. As right now goes, he's played. 
He played better against Bucknell than he had previously, so hopefully he's getting the message. And if he can get a little bit better and prove that he can play 10 points or 10 minutes a game for Sadibi or something like that, then uh, he might be able to get to that point. Uh, but for right now, I think, especially going into these next five games, he's probably going to be like, unless Sadibi's playing awful or gets in quick foul trouble, and we're still and we're playing against some height, and we can't just throw Dolce in there, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I he's, think he's... I think because of fouls and because of stuff like that. Uh, Jesse Edwards is going to get minutes by default. I just don't think they're going to be like consistent every game minutes. You know what I mean? Well, this game against Bucknell, you know, we heard coach at the end of, I don't even remember what the last game was before that. Who was it, Joe? Help me. Uh, Cornell. Cornell. Um, after that game, you heard coach in, in the press conference say, you know, if he, he, he says he likes playing outside. Well, we don't do that here. He, you're seven foot, you play inside. Well, he's, he stayed contained inside during Bucknell, yeah. and he was yeah. better. And he was better. He's right. just got to learn. He's got to learn to be in that role. He's got to learn. You know, you have to – this is what you need to do to help this team. And this is right. what you need to learn to help this team. This is how it's going to work. Yeah. And get out there and do it. Do your, your five, ten minutes a game. And show you can do it. If he performs like that, he's going to get consistent minutes. He just needs to be bigger. Yeah, he's. I get- mean, that's and that's really the biggest part when it comes to freshmen because most freshmen were the man on their high school team, especially when you go to right. get a D one scholarship, right? Sure, so yeah. unless you're like a, a five star guy coming in and you, you know, the coach is like, hey, this is your team. You know that Cole Anthony kid from North Carolina. I mean, it looks like they're going to be relying on him very, very heavily. So like. His his role isn't changing because he's that that good. Um, but as far as most other players, when you come in, you're not going to be the man. So you have to figure out what what you what you can do to make your little niche and get a role and find some minutes on that team. And if Jesse Edwards right now as a freshman wants minutes, then he said he's got to do exactly what you said: protect the rim, don't get the ball stripped from him, get rebounds. Which he's um, done good protecting the ball. For the most part, but that's why he got taken out in Cornell, right? Yeah, was he? He brought the ball down low. Yeah. The guy knocked, you know, knocked yeah. it out. Of, I mean, he got taken away from a guard. He's doing some chuku stuff. Yeah, right. The ball. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's you know, he like you said, he played better. You you could see that he came back from those comments. Yeah, he learned from whatever Jim Beheim said. He learned. He heard it loud and clear. So. I'd like to see that eight, of course, but with that and with obviously with Howard Washington, I think there's chances in emergency situations that Howard Washington uh, does come in. Yeah, I'm just I'm I I, I think, but it's so you, gonna be good. I think good it's gonna be a limited needs, basis. Good Ein's okay, but he's I I honestly thought I'd see more out of him this early in non-conference play because. I, I, you're going to get sometimes a good... he looks a little too loose with the ball, yeah, a little too yeah, fidgety, yeah, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I mean by saying I think we might there might be times when there might most likely early, especially maybe these next five games, be some teams with some guards that he's not going to be able to handle, and if Gerard is got foul trouble or needs to take a, a seat, you know Howard Washington's that guy that he knows Beheim knows can come in and bring a calmness to the team and at least get the ball up the floor and run the offense. Yeah, um, and you know Gerard's another guy. Who is is going to be going through? You know, we're going to see you know his, some right. of his flaws coming up too. I mean, he's going to have to right. learn to protect the ball too. He got it taken away from him a couple times, couple times against um, Cornell, and you know, 
he's good with yeah. the ball. So it's the learning curve, man. It's jumping from that that high school stuff or whatever right into, you know, there's, going to D1 playing, you know. There's going to be hurdles. Yeah, depending oh, yeah. On, depending on what team you go to and the depth and your role and and things like that. I mean, it's how high are those hurdles? <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah, all about you're gonna you're gonna right see now, so. you're gonna yeah. see some 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 sloppy play every once in a while. So yeah, all right. Well, hey, look, let's switch gears, Joe. Um, the Syracuse Orange football team saw their bowl hopes <laughs> squashed after a 56-34 thumping by Louisville. Uh, the Orange sit at four and seven, one and six in the ACC. Another muff punt by Sean Riley helped the Cardinals jump out to a 21-3 lead at the end of the first quarter. Uh, ultimately, though, the trifecta of quarterback Mikel Cunningham, he had 238 yards and five scores. Running back uh, Javion Hawkins, 233 yards on the ground and a score. Uh, wide receiver Tutu Atwell, 150, 152 yards receiving. Uh, they proved to be too much for the Syracuse defense on the road, I think. Uh, despite yep. the quick answers, the Orange Offense head for some of the Louisville touchdowns, especially in the second half. The Louisville offense eventually wore down the Orange D. All um, altogether, the Cards' offense racked up 514 yards on the Orange. And how about though, Joar Jordan? I mean, where has he been all year? 33 yards rushing, 87 yards receiving, 101 kick return yards. It gave him 223 all-purpose yards. Uh, so that's my silver lining, I guess, for that game. Uh, yeah, Joe, it was fun to watch. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this game earlier. There was a couple things that were a little, um, I don't know. There was a couple weird things that happened in this game. Um, so only one game left for Syracuse football after a frustrating season. And um, it, here's here's a question, and I'm not I'm just presenting the question. I'm not taking a side. Uh, is it unfair to question Devito's ability? after a year of play without that much improvement. I haven't seen, I'm just being honest here, I haven't seen, after 11 games, a, a noticeable improvement. Uh, well, I think there's reasons for that. Um, and honestly, the whole back and forth and questioning Babers about uh, taking him out, I think it just proves everything, you know. And it goes back. I read an article at Syracuse.com where they brought it back uh, back when Schaefer, Scott Schaefer was here and he had Dungy and he got hit and he, instead of taking him out, kept him in. And then he ended up getting hit and then he got knocked out for the rest of the season. And they were questioning it and they were saying, you know, why'd you keep him in? Why'd you keep him in? So uh, this is just one of those situations where if he keeps Tommy, he knows Tommy has and he has an injury. And I, I, I believe that he's had an injury probably since the Holy Cross game very, very early in yeah. which it's something that isn't serious, but enough to just linger, not have him a hundred percent. Right. And you can heal up for a week or something like that. And I think at some point during the game, something happens, he retweaks it, or there's only so much that it can take punishment. It can take before he can't throw the ball accurately. And sometimes, and then, and really not really help the team. Um, as far as the last couple of weeks, I mean, if we haven't been able to run the ball, who even knows what we would have been able to do or because we don't know how limited he is. So, again, if we keep him in, if, you know, if Babers knowingly he knows that he's hurting, he has an injury and we keep him in and then he gets hurt and then he needs some type of major surgery or he has to miss the next game or something like that, then uh, the fans would would question Babers then. And, and ask him why they didn't take him out. So right, which is um, what they did against Holy Cross because we were up so much, and that's when the injury happened. So right. so again, yeah. it's just one of those things where uh, I think 
we were running so effectively. And I think that he, honestly, I think he wanted Clayton Welch to come in and run the ball. I don't know what was going on uh, to come in, have that first play where he was, where he like kind of one hopped it like three or four yards wave in front of the, I mean, to come in cold like that and try to make that play. Uh, when he came in earlier in the season, when they were switching on and off with DeVito, uh, he came out and he was like a man on a mission running, you know, running the ball and mm-hmm. he's tough to take down. And there were so many times where he could have kept that ball off the RPOs because of how successful we were running the ball. Um, and even Tommy, he could have, but again, like I said, I don't know how injured he is and how many hits he's, he can take. So, um, he definitely did something to his knee too. I know coach said that he did something to do with his. Yes. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that lingering injury, whatever it is, whether it's oblique or ribs or something in his uh, throwing shoulder or whatever it is, there's something over on that side. Seems to be ribs, right? He continually retweaks that stuff. There's something over there. And um, then like I said, again, I think he did that in the first quarter. And then I think in the third quarter or something, he ran the ball. Then he did something to his knee. You saw him limping around. So uh, I thought we might have been able to do some things if Clayton Welch took it, like tried to actually run. I mean, there's a couple times I think he could have ran the ball and and made it a little interesting. But again, I don't want to put it on him, especially at the end of the game. But I think that Tommy DeVito, uh, I think we have seen growth and I don't think it's growth in the way that people want to see it as far as maybe statistics and winnings and like winning the game, you know, wins. But um, earlier in the year, he had some issues with turning the ball over and making certain plays. And I know there's certain times I think where he still throws the ball away, maybe too, too fast, but he's definitely learning to not get sacked as much and, um, he hasn't thrown the, an interception and in, I don't even know how yeah, many pass a, attempts. It's like 167, I want to say. Uh, he's right. he's really on some kind of streak too with that. Like right. Nat- so I, I just don't streak. I don't think. And at the end of the day, even him at 80 percent or 85 percent or whatever, he is far and away the better quarter, the best quarterback on our team. Oh, we don't have, any, we don't have anybody else. It's right? not even so, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to take his bumps and his lumps and his bruises, and this is going to be nothing but a learning year for him. He's going to have to, he has to get healthy, but all the bad things that a quarterback has to experience to learn how to do the right thing and make fast decisions on whether or not to throw the ball away or tuck and run or what, whatever, um, he's learning all, all those this year. He's getting a crash course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you think about the the fourth and nine putting Welch in though? I mean, like, I mean, I know how you feel because we talked about it earlier, but it seemed like you know you got one more shot. Okay, so he probably put Clayton Welch in because he was supposed to run the ball or something. Well, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know why you just went and sit in the pocket. If you got one more play, you're gonna put him out there for one more play. Yep, fourth and nine. It's the biggest p- play for Syracuse up to that point, and you throw in the backup quarterback. You can question it now because it didn't work, but it seems like shoulda, woulda, coulda just kept DeVito in, didn't try to make a pass on that. Something, there's got to be something dialed up for that. Something quick, you know, inside the 10-yard line to dial up. Right. Again, like I said, it's it's so hard to, I mean, in the hindsight of everything, but we don't know how hurt DeVito was. We don't even know if at that point he could have thrown a pass. You know, I just don't, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying that for some reason, Dino Babers did that. And it yeah. wasn't because he wasn't trying to win the game. And it wasn't because he wanted to give Clayton Welch 
some burn in his last year because he's a senior. No, uh, definitely not. I, you right. know, it was nothing yeah. like that. And obviously, just, he knew he knows more than we do. I'm just exactly exactly, and that's my whole point is is that if he's going to and to be perfectly honest with you, Tommy DeVito didn't look like he was really giving a complaining crap. about her. <laughs> he, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't arguing yeah. to get back in the game. No, so. he wasn't. They had um, they had actually talked. Um, they had talked. I think it was maybe at the beginning of the second half or something like that, or right before the halftime right? where the three of them, uh, Welch, DeVito and Babers had talked about, Hey, you know, we might need you to come in basically talking to Welch. So, um, I just, we just have to bring it up because it was a, it was a head scratching moment at the time. Yeah, where, no, I understand. I completely yeah. get it. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, you got to look at the bigger picture. Uh, this was all intents and purposes. This was Babers guy, you know, uh, Lee 11 guy, and I'm sure that Babers had a plan, and he thought that this is going to be the guy that got him to the point where, you know, probably where we were last year because it was a Dungy senior year. Um, but I bet you in his vision, it wasn't his redshirt sophomore year, first year starting with an injury all season and problems with the line and having to fire your defensive coordinator in the middle. It's just – there's – it's it's all I, I guarantee you that they both had communicated that and that even Babers and even DeVito knew that at some point there was a certain threshold that if he took too much punishment, then Babers is going to take him out. And again, I just he's the he's the coach and I'm going to trust the fact that he knows his guy and he was protecting his guy from any further damage or injury. Yeah. Do you? Well, what? All right. Well, no, there was a quick score. Um, Syracuse lines up to kick the ball. They go for an onside kick. I called that too. <laughs> Look, did you? Did yeah. you? Did you? My dad was. My dad was like, he's like, what? You you already watched this? He's like, you knew that they were going to do that. I'm like, what? He's like, how 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 would you guess that? And I was just like, well, Hoffrick, they got a concussion. This new guy came out and he kicked it out of bounds. Yeah, we can't stop him anyway. So why not? Yeah, why not give it a <laughs> you know? shot? And then yeah. all of a sudden, you it know, seemed it like the perfect time. It seemed like the perfect yeah. time. So to me, you know, if 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 anything, it was touched, maybe a half a yard shy of ten, nine and a half yards, it gets touched. And uh, so they review the play, Joe, and they come back out of the review and they throw a penalty on Syracuse for blocking before. I guess before anyone touched the ball, I guess. I don't know. To me, the, the people that, that are getting the ball kicked to them are, block, are, are, are the ones blocking. But yeah, uh, I guess it was maybe too early or something, and they throw a penalty. So they review whether the ball goes 10 yards, but then they throw a penalty. It just doesn't make any sense to me that if you're reviewing no. how far the ball went, you come out of the whole thing with a penalty – and not the penalty for touching the ball early, but a penalty for illegal blocking. Right. It is so stupid. Is that, I mean, I mean, call me an idiot, but I had no idea. I was so confused. I'm like, why are they doing that? Yeah, I just, I don't understand it either because there's only certain things like, I mean, there's the targeting ones, right? Like if some of the, if they call it targeting and then they actually review it and they see like they can take it away. Right, right, So right. we've seen. Right. If you're reviewing the penalty. Is, yeah. Right. It's yes, the penalty. So it's just interesting to me because that that would be like, oh, let let us replay this touchdown and then you go back and you see, oh, holding. Crap, Take we it missed back. the hold. Yeah. Yeah, and then you come back and you say holding. <laughs> so so yeah, like I said, I mean, we don't and speaking of holding, I don't I don't even 
remember a time this year in the ACC that another team has been called holding against us. So, I mean, I know I saw a couple last night. and While I they were feel on like offense. Some, feel sometimes, and what, what, what was it, the one game with, was it, what was it, Pittsburgh? Or I forget the game now. Was it Pittsburgh where they Tell called me. the fumble and then they overturned it when they didn't even have any type of... Oh my uh, gosh! Yes, what yeah. game so, was I mean, that? It's yeah, like yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I think it was Pittsburgh, because you know, I think we were mad about it because we actually had a, had a chance to come had back and win that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like at the end of the day, it's all those little things, and you don't want to make excuses. And I hate, you know, making excuses, especially the refs. But it's a gripe. Um, it's a gripe. It's not an excuse. We were going to lose right. the game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Well, and again, too, uh, this just shows the glaring. There, there was some. The ACC refs have been like even basketball and football. Like we we always get the short end of the stick with these guys. It seems like it feels like to me, like it's. I mean, it's, there's sometimes we get calls, right? Sure, there's sometimes. sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's just to me, it's like I okay, I get the the, the one offs here and there, the holding this is that okay, I get that, but um. Like these ones where all of a sudden you're coming up with – you didn't even throw a penalty flag and all of a sudden you're going to show a replay and then you're going to call a penalty. <laughs> it's so stupid. I don't right. even know. I don't even understand that. I've right. never seen or, that Or the before. one they – over, like I said, or the one they overturned in Pittsburgh where you literally had no, no evidence view of the ball. You called the fumble and then you overturned it. Like, and actually, that, that kind was, of stuff. That we was don't get Pittsburgh. those kind of calls. Because you remember there's another angle of that that showed the ball was clearly out. Yep. That the public never got to see something, yep. it was something to that effect. You remember? Right. I, think, yeah. I think it was, um, I think it was QsNation.com. Mike McAllister had had something on that, and that he had actually yeah. seen it. But, uh, anyways, no one got to see it. So, yeah. I mean, well, I, and I think, and I think, you know, overall, I think we have seen at least the last two weeks too. Once they made that offensive line change, it's looked like we've our well, offensive line. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been they've better. been proven. Yeah. I think that David only I mean, got it, sacked it, twice last night. Yeah, which is good. Only once, only and once, once the Duke, game before. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had 261 rushing yards. So again, I mean, we have had yeah. problems with the rushing game had, has been been not great. Right. So we've had problems with that, right? And then we've also there were some articles out and stuff where we've had problems with teams that run those that 12 personnel, the two tight ends, the one running back, which they ran there for a little while. I mean, their running back had 233 yards for 23 carries. He had he, he averaged over 10 yards a carry. Um, which some awesome. of that was obviously attributed yeah. to bad tackling, but um, <clears throat> sure. that's for another conversation. But we've had problems uh, playing against those teams, the teams that have mainly ran them, ran that uh, formation, that, that offensive package against us this year was Maryland, Boston College, and this team. Uh, and all of them, I think, put up over 50. So yeah. uh, that's just, yeah. So uh, I think the one thing we learned is that our defensive coordinator is not on this coaching staff right now for next year um because you're not really seeing too much i mean last week could have been a difference as far as i think a lot of it was what they said what babers said at the post game you know press conferences that duke didn't know what we were going to do and now louisville had a week to do it and you saw what they did so it tore us apart as much as we had chances to to be in that game the muffed punt like we talked about the interception that our two defensive backs wanted to run into each other to try to catch. Yeah. I mean, in the first quarter, that allowed them to get two. They scored two a touchdown after those mistakes. If we, if we, uh, even if we don't get points off of that, but we at least get the ball and then take a little drive or this or that, it's not going to be twenty-one to three in the first quarter. 
Um, and uh, after that, basically, we played them even. They were only plus four, uh, second, third, and fourth quarter after the first quarter. So, um, and that is with obviously, like I said, not taking advantage of that stuff in the in the first quarter. But that's where that came. But also in the fourth quarter, not taking advantage of that interception and not taking advantage of that amazing run catch and catch and run by Jawar Jordan. I don't care oh, what yeah, anybody yeah. says. When you saw Clayton Welch catch that snap and then turn and then you saw the throw and then you saw him catch it, it were you like, oh sh? It's like, yeah, it was like he's gonna be, he's gonna get <laughs> it smothered. Like it would look like it was about to be awful, and yeah. he turned it into a ridiculous run, which I now obviously, I mean, obviously in hindsight, I and mean, you always want to score, but I, th- I thought we were gonna score, like up three yard line, no problem. Yeah, All I mean, sudden, you got to be able to punch it in in three start, plays. Start, and I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. So. Yep, and um, those are the little things too. I mean, yeah, and those the little things. The penalties started to add up. So the game wasn't um, out of reach there either. And and by the way, um, talk about rushing yards uh, against Maryland. Um, they allowed three fifty four, uh, four ninety six against Boston College, and three hundred and seventy against right. Louisville. Right, and that's again, that's you. So what they talked about was they ran the twelve. Um, the 12 formation, you know, like I said, two tight ends, one running back, and they try to ground and pound you. Uh, I thought I said this in the beginning of the year that I thought we were going to have issues with teams that did that. And um, again, that's like having seven linemen out there and they just line up and they run it down our throats. And we don't have we don't have those those guys, the Chris Slayton's and the the, the rhinos and the people in there that uh, like papers always like to talk about the elephants. And we don't have we didn't have that on our defensive line this year. So we had some speed and on the edge to try to get some quarterbacks and stuff like that. But when someone is just running right at you with seven offensive linemen ground and pound, um, then yeah, that, take, that takes that all away. And Yeah, we haven't been able to get to the quarterback like we did last year. But um, to wrap it up, let's, you know, looking ahead, here's my thing. We're heading to home. We're going to play Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a good team. It's a really good team. You know, they're starting to get hurt a little bit. I think yeah, since they, they've lost yeah. since they've lost a couple games, uh, then they've had some injuries. They've kind of struggled. They struggled with Duke the other night. They did um, struggle with Duke, but the weather wasn't great either. So I don't know. Well, no, the weather wasn't great, but I mean Duke and they had what two kickoff returns for touchdowns and Yeah, they didn't um, score a lot on offense, yeah. Right. But again, Wake Forest is a team that's gonna obviously Clawson's a smart smart coach. They got a dual threat quarterback. Uh, they have one of the better receivers in the uh, in the ACC, and they got some running backs. They're going to line up, and, and they're probably going to try to ground and pound us, just like uh, these last couple teams have. So um, it's definitely going to be a test for sure. I just want—I just hope that the fans can still. I mean, it's last week, senior night, go out there, or senior day, so to speak, just go out there and. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that, but yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that, but um, Cade Cade Carney is the mm-hmm. one running back's name for Wake Forest. He was an absolute animal. Yeah, I know. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll get into that, but looking ahead, this is what I would like. This is just what I want. Not to finish four and eight. That's it. A three four and eight seasons. You know, I just oh gosh, man, it's just like that number is just has been haunting us and. Um, it's just brutal. So I don't know, but we right. will, um, well, I guess we're going to be back tomorrow with that. 
Yeah. Right? Is that the plan? Yeah, that's the plan, man. We never announced. We haven't been announcing our plans, and we've been on schedule. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens now. But all right, <clears throat> let's do some fan feedback. Yes, sir. It's time to hear from you, the loud mouths from the loud house. All right, y'all know what to do. Go to social media after the game if you're not already on there and you um, look for our post, it'll say thoughts on the game. You give your thoughts on the game. It's been a little uh, touch and go here lately with thoughts on the game with the, with the two games going uh, on the weekends, but uh, give your thoughts. And um, if it's, if it's worthy of bringing up, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it here. Uh, We're going to get into all that, of course. Um, But first I want to tell you about the folks over at Blue Chew. So Blue Chew, that's blue like the color, B-L-U-E-Chew.com. If you want to increase your performance and get extra confidence in bed, just listen up. Listen here. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same uh, FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full or empty stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now we've got a special offer offer for our listeners and listen there's a lot of these out there there's a bunch of them i'm hearing commercials all the time for these things and um you know the market is thick but this is what we've got visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code armchair just pay the five dollar shipping again that's bluechew b-l-u-e chew.com use the promo code armchair try it for free five dollar shipping uh, Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Armchair Media and this podcast. Uh, they do not promise guaranteed results, and nowhere on their packaging does it say it cures disease. So, anyway, thank you to them. And uh, let's see here, Joe. Let's see. I'm trying to mix it up. We're going to start with uh, let's start with basketball. So basketball was the first game. It's the first one we talked about. Let's start with basketball. Uh, we can do that. Okay, at Cranston underscore NYG. I'm loving how our offense is looking. Our defense is even better. Um, and what they were that game. I think the defense is is good. Obviously, that's what the the whole that's what the whole scheme is is derived around is the defense. So. We haven't had, uh, we haven't played a, sh- a team that's really, really good at shooting yet, though. So, and in bu- the best ball movement we saw, I guess, was probably Virginia. So, it's when you get those teams that can can really move the ball good, and that's when you know you get the zone to collapse, and they end up chasing chasing the ball like you know cats. So, um, at Cuse Mafia. Starters were excellent. Best passing I've seen in years. Joe, the ball movement movement is great, right? We talked yeah. about the assist percentage is uh, it's over sixty five percent assists on scoring so far this year. That's tenth in the country. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. That defense, man, I'll tell you, 
Gerard up there, Buddy Beheim, he you can tell he's he's worked a little bit with his lateral quickness and stuff. And Gerard, he sits there and kind of waits and tries to bait bait people, especially the big guys that get in the free throw line. I think he's going to get a lot of a lot of steals there. So uh, Jeff on Facebook says, uh, "Whoever has helped improve Barama Sidibe should be commended. His footwork is much improved. Yeah, he's well. I wonder how much of it has to do with him just not being in pain." Yeah, you, you know that's, yeah, that's the age-old <laughs> question, right? Yeah, is 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 he is he playing like this because he actually feels good? Because um, obviously, if you feel good, you can move good. And he's just been—he's definitely improved, but he hasn't hey man, if, been he hasn't been challenged by a big body yet, though. Either right, right. You well, know? hey, like I said, if you ask Lance G, <laughs> he's always been good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, well, well, I mean. I don't know. I don't know I'm about just that. Saying. I don't know about that. But he has been he has been in pain. He has been for the past two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been bad. It's so. not as painful to watch him shoot free throws as it was Chuku either, so Oh, absolutely not. I know. Poor Chuku, man. Old stone hands. Still not living it down. Still talking about Chuku. Goodness gracious. I love that guy. <laughs> At Lewis Marshall twenty four, I can't help but smile when JG three has the ball. Going to be a fun four years, and with Buddy for three of them, I love Tyus, but ISO ball hurt us. Yeah, it's a total different look. It's a total different look. It opens up a lot more things. We got more shooters on the floor. Right. When these guys get going, when this team gets gets fluid and they're and they're they're rolling, and you've got a leader on the floor, we're gonna see, you know, what kind of difference I think. Um, they can make out there with yeah. those, those three well, it's guys, funny especially because Buddy and Joe they played AAU together, and it's almost like you can tell, right? It almost looks like Joe knows exactly, like you know how, what he wants. I mean, that one three point, that one three pointer he had, right, where Joe passed it to the to the right, right, to Buddy. Buddy passed it back, back. fake like he was yeah. cutting, and then yeah. came back off of a screen and just boom, like yeah. So I mean, when you know how. Your teammates are going to play. When you know how your teammates are going to play and they know how you're going to, you know, get them the ball and everything, you're on that type of page. That's that's continuity that not every team has, obviously. Uh, We haven't seen it. You can have great players like we've had. We've had good players. You've had fringe NBA players. But if you're not going to play or look like you even enjoy playing basketball together, I mean, these guys genuinely look like they enjoy playing basketball together. They're so so – the passing is so unselfish. It's almost like they're looking for an assist almost almost as much as they're looking for a clean shot. Right. Like and especially well Dolajai's always done it and we've only really had that one player that was really always looking. He's right. always looking for the backdoor cut. He has great court vision Mark does. Uh, he he's he, I, he's got a pretty high basketball IQ Mark does. Like he knows oh, he yeah. knows what's going on. And oh, yeah. uh you know you get a couple more of those guys on the court and especially offensively cuz that's where we've struggled. I mean, it's going to make a huge difference. Well, so. there's not as much standing around this year either. Right. Offense, it's so. not lazy at all. Like and they're not running down the clock, man. They're, you know, I like it. I like the early shots in uh, you know, in the shot clock, but as long as they're good. Not like last year we're just hucking stuff up like Brissett right. from behind the arc and stuff like that, you know. Right. But um, anyway, at Oil Cuse, good game. Hopefully Edwards isn't on the Mark meal plan and puts on some weight. <laughs> Edwards has a great touch around the rim. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier. And uh, he's going to be a player I think probably next year could be either either him 
or Goodine could be most improved next year. But I think, right. you know, you look at those two and you see the potential there, but they just haven't really put it together yet. And, um, you know, when the more time they get and the more practice they get and the more, the more experience under their belts and, you know, we'll right. see what happens. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, that, that kind of stuff is like a want, like you have to want to do that. You know, like when he says, Oh, I'd, Playing the out, I like playing on the outside, or I used to playing on the outside, or stuff like that. Yeah, you can't have that as big man, you know. Especially in college basketball, ACC, like it's physical down there. You're gonna have big bodies, and uh, they're gonna try to move you around. And if you're not about that, you're not about that life. <laughs> oh, you got to uh, do it. That's your role, man. That is your role. Right. You've got to be physical. It's the most physical spot on the court. And right. I mean, you got to either get you got to either get in the mix or. Well, go- yeah. And you get some six, eight, six, nine, six, ten big Beast. boys yeah. in there that throw their bodies around. And you there's some times when I saw Chuku take some falls where I'm like, oh, or take some. So, I mean, again, I mean, remember Mark, Mark took he took a charge from Zion last year. <laughs> yes, I mean, you got to be willing to do those kind of things. You got to. I mean, and if you're not about that, then. It's gonna be uh, that's heart right there. It's gonna that, be pretty. It's gonna be pretty evident. You could either say that's stupidity or heart. It was all no, heart with Mark. It's no. Well, that's what it is. It's it's heart, and you got to be able to. You got to learn how to use your body to yeah. to get the job done. Yeah, Mike on Facebook. I think we're on to football now. Missed opportunities. Yes, missed opportunities again and again and again. Stupid yeah. penalties and no defense. Yep, you know, you look at the game against Duke, and we keep him out of the end zone. And everything looks great. The, the, I mean, the offense was clicking. You know, we were, we were playing at Duke. It looked good. Duke is not, you know, they're not Louisville. But the missed opportunities, Joe, we went over them. And it's just like, mm-hmm. just that's agonizing when you, when you get down there like that. Two times in the, in the red zone. And um, you, can't, you can't do with anything with it because you got two false starts. What was it? Two false starts in a hold or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's well, that stuff at the end hurt 100 percent. And the stuff in the first quarter to get down to a 21 to three margin early, that hurt even more. So yeah. I don't, I, honestly, if you take that little first quarter away, then we pretty much played them even. So uh, as much as we put up, gave up a lot of yards, gave up a lot of points, we definitely did the same. So it wasn't as bad a loss as the Maryland or the the Boston College one, but um, it, well, nothing was as bad as Boston College this year, right? I don't know. Maryland was pretty rough too, especially early with the expectations, you know. Yeah. But there was still that Clemson game. That Clemson game wasn't that, that bad so, though either. No, it really wasn't. I mean, it ended, the score late. looks bad, but it was late. Yeah. Right. Um, at oh boy, at Cotite forever. Incredibly disappointing performance by the defense. Offense was clicking until DeVito got hurt. Lots and lots of work to do in te- in terms of rebuilding the defense. Frying Ward was a start, but there are so many more problems to address. Joe. Yeah. No, he's not lying. 100%. <laughs> he's not lying. Got to guess. He's not. No, I know. I don't know how I don't know how he's going to address it, but again, the ACC, so it's a different kind of animal because the ACC's got so many different types of offensive schemes and different attacks that come at you. So you can't just be one dimensional and be able to just stop one certain type. Um, you got to be able to, as he said, evolve coach Baber said, evolve um, with the teams and with the schemes. Uh, and when you have a team that's just trying to figure out what they're, what they can do well, just 
for one game. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to well, just evolve when you're still trying to figure out your identity and you're worried and you're working with, with certain youth and inexperience in certain areas. So again, I've seen the offense, I think personally grow. I think I've seen DeVito obviously become a lot better with the turnovers and the things like that. And I think that we've seen the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, we, we're, we're returning four guys, and if Sam Heckle comes back, that'll be a fifth that can come back, and he can be a starter on top of the people that will that will grow. So, I mean, losing some muscle I've, on the defensive end, though, too. But we are losing some people on the defensive end, and again, uh, I mean, you can't really get too much worse in some of these games. I, I mean, know. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that in a bad way, but like, you know, what I, mean? I just, it's just the pass, the pass rushing is neutralized when you're playing against a team like this, who's got the RPO and they can, then I mean, they were running triple option out of that crazy formation. And I don't think really a lot of people didn't know what to do. Uh, and if you're not making the tackles up front and the safeties, they got to come up and fill and they had guys that were faster than our guys. So as you saw in that two duet, well, there's a couple of touchdowns oh, that he had guys are lightning quick, man. Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, when you're playing against that type of team, and you need to bring so many guys up into the box to be able to stop that run, then you're eventually going to give up big plays. And we talked about it. We knew that the big plays were going to come, but uh, we had big plays of our, for ourselves. And, and like I said, I was really proud of the way our offense came out and, and kind of kept with them as far as keeping us in striking distance throughout the game. Some quick scores, man. Some real quick scores in the second oh, half. Oh, yeah. There was, two, there was two, I think, in the third quarter that were, I think, within, I think, under both under a minute yeah. or somewhere close one was like, like that. So. One was like, I want to say it was like 30 seconds or somewhere around there. It was it was quick. It was two plays. It was the one where yeah. Mo Neal ran for 45 yards for a score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, at Kyle, oh, well, Kyle, Kyle. Just call him Kyle on Twitter. (laughs) Really disappointed in the offensive play calling. How many times can we run on first down? The defense gave them a chance at the end, but our pitiful red zone offense and the lack of touchdowns to finish a game sealed our fate. I hope they play hard for the seniors next weekend. So you got two, you got two fan feedbacks. One's blaming, one's blaming the offense. One's blaming the defense. So um, yeah, imagine that, right? So, um, no, I mean, I can understand some of the play calling, but we were kind of going with what was working. And again, we don't know if we were limited in our play calling based upon DeVito's. Well, there was, there were some, there were some situations where, and and then Joe, if that's the case, there are situations where you're putting Tommy DeVito in a third and long situation, you know, constantly Hmm. running on first and second down. There was a bunch of those where, you know, he's got to pick up third and seven, third and eight. And, um, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Run all three times? Yeah, and he picked up on some of them, right? He, he did, he ran, yeah. He, he ran, ran one, he, yeah. He hit Taj Harris a couple times on the sideline. So, uh, yeah. and again, like our running game, I, I, we're going to be returning for those those offensive linemen. So, you know, it's just you can see the growth of that unit as the season goes on, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a hope going into the next year and hope that we're not going to have to worry about the offensive line starting out is kind of as an inadequate as they were this year when you're looking in the next year. So when you get to that point as a fan, that's what you want to look at. Right. So, yeah. Um, and when you look at it too, I mean, I, I hope that they do play hard for seniors. I think I know Evan Adams plays with some heart and really realistically on offense. I think we're only looking at what Mo Neal and Evan Adams are really the only 
Offensive seniors guys. offensively that so you know there might be a big dose of ammonial and i'd look for them to probably you know get back to the running game like they had the last two games um but i think the one main thing to look at is probably there's a lot of seniors on the defensive end so maybe this is one of those hurrah moments where standard can go in there and be like look this is going to be my last <laughs> my last game you know as defensive coordinator for this team too and this is going to be your last game as far as at Syracuse seniors. So let's go out there and ball out and try to get this W. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, hopefully that kind of motivation. Cause we have, I mean, I want to say we have four or five defensive linemen that are seniors and the two linebackers are on top of Cordy and Evan Foster and Chris Frederick. I mean, we have a lot of defensive players that are seniors. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, again, a lot of starters. Right. And that's opposite of kind of what we were looking into in the beginning of the season, right? Oh, defense was our strength of, right. of the unit, this, this, and that. So, you know, now you see our defensive coordinator get fired. You see us put up, you know, a lot of the points in the, in the rushing yards and stuff. And then you look at our roster and see that we're losing like seven, eight starters on defense. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> is it, it, so you look at our situation is like, could it get any worse? And I the answer might be yes. don't know the answer. To that yes. <laughs> the answer might be yes. Well, here we go. At Cuse Orange Fan. This is the last one. At Cuse Orange Fan on Twitter. I don't know how you bag that, how you bag that Twitter handle, but you did. Good job. At Cuse Orange Fan. We, we have some... M- we have some many great athletes that aren't utilized properly with a new D coordinator next year and hopefully new offensive coordinator. This is a team that can win seven to eight games. I still believe in Dino. So with that said, seven, eight games, I mean, well, look, here's the thing at this point, it's almost anything is an improvement from this year. Right. So we, so right. As opposed to, 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 um, to this year, next year, our expectations heading in should be relatively um, tampered, right? So, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, we 100%. can we can look at this and, and be like, all right, you know, well, let's just kind of see what happens. Kind of like how it was really easy to do that with the basketball team this year. You know, let's well, we don't really know. Let's see what's going to happen. You said, I mean, there'd be seven or eight, you know, newer faces starting on defense next year. And, um, you know, maybe I, I foresee a situation where maybe the offense is clicking and the defense is is really struggling. And it's right. the offense that's got to keep us in the games. And, and where, you know, a lot of times this year I've, it was the defense keeping us in the That's the thing games. is every year is different, right? Right, exactly. And it takes the years to – when you look at realistically, when you look at the timeline of Dino Babers, and again, it goes back to me and preaching the patience of allowing somebody to actually – build something up right like right now as it is dino babers his first he got okay he got hired december 5th of 2015 with the 2016 class to be finished february 6th so so he had two months to come in and figure out okay who's committed do i want to keep them <laughs> do i want to drop them who can i get that's left with the two months so his first year was mostly pretty much picked by Schaefer and his staff as far as the people he had. And then he had two months to try to get who he could have. So right. realistically, Dino Babers is his first full class was Tommy DeVito's class. The one of him, Chris Elmore. So his class, his guys, his main people are either true juniors or redshirt sophomores this year. So again, when people want to say, Oh, they're his guys, they're his or that, like he's still dealing with some Schaefer holdovers. And obviously he's still dealing with some of the, which is, 
coordinators in the evolution of teams getting used to what they're running since they've been in the ACC now for this is going to be the fourth year. So that kind of happens. You know, you can't stay the same because if you're going to give, if you're going to feed these teams the same, the same meal three, four years in a row, they're eventually going to know what that meal is. So you got to figure that, that, that out and you, you got to change it up and evolve. And I just don't think that our coordinators did. Yeah. And you know, um, four, we're talking four years, you know, coach, this is why it's really tough. When, when you hear people calling for Dino Babers to be fired or whatever, I mean, well, what do you want him to do? He's just now really starting to have his program turn over. Right. And you know, there's a lot of guys left from Schaefer and you know, it's not fair. You, like a coach needs probably to be fair, to be really fair at this level with this level of recruiting that we have in a school, a private school like Syracuse, you need about six years. Yeah. I'd say like, yeah, five, six years is legit. And I mean, again, like you said, you have to look at the certain things again, like we don't have, you know, blue chips in our backyard. Like right, it's right. not the same I mean, case with longer. basketball and stuff like yeah. that. So it takes, takes a little longer as far as that goes. And again, we can't treat this like a Willie Taggart, Florida state issue. Those guys, they get top 25 recruiting classes. You know, if we go, if we had, if we've been getting top 20, 25 recruiting classes for 10 years straight and Babers comes out and throws out two, four and eight seasons in a row, then I understand because you have the talent. Right. But now Babers, he's been, he's kind of changed the culture and they had a successful year, you know, but I mean, again, that was Eric Dungy as a senior. What was Eric Dungy's record as a redshirt sophomore? Do you know? I don't. It was four and eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so again, <laughs> you know, it's it, one of those things where it's kind of cyclical, and that's what happens. So to be fair, so, it's, yeah, it's almost predictable. So it's, yeah. So to be fair, it's yeah. So. Like give DeVito that same respect and Babers the same respect. Allow him to get his depth through there for a whole cycle to where he's actually got a full recruiting class that actually went through and graduated and saw their whole four or five year outlook of what they did. Um, and the way I really realistically look at it is looking at the team on what it is when by the time Tommy DeVito is a senior and moves on. And usually by that time, that's five years, about four or five years, where you should be able to grow that depth to where you should be able to have guys to come in and actually replace those guys so you can have a team that's like a bowl every single year. Yeah. And- everything happened for us right, right last year. Every single thing. Every single thing. If everything happened right for us this year, we would have beat Pittsburgh. We would have beat North Carolina State. And we would have beat Boston College. Flat, or not Boston College. And we would have beat... Louisville and our record right now would be what seven and seven and three, three. yeah but or no seven, seven and, four. and four um but right yeah well if it's in butts for candy not too often no but I'm just but I bought that I'm just kind of putting that into like we didn't go nine ten and three because we were that much better than everybody last year no we it's got it's because all the little things year. happened and everything yeah. went to, so if I'm all I'm saying is comparing it to last year if everything would have happened. Like that, we'd be seven and four right now, looking at possibly going eight and four. Yeah, and right now that's close to being close up there near the second and using best last team year's in the formula. ACC, we so. would be eight and four, just for record. If you use last year's formula, right? Wake Forest, another team is pretty good, but you know those are the ones we won. Those are the ones we won. The teams that were you know maybe a right. touch better, where everything just went right for us. 
Right. And, well, I'm, only, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bringing them up only because I haven't seen the game yet. You know, like I look at a, team, a game like Boston College or Maryland, and I don't I think know, I know. anything could have went right in those games. So, yeah, I know. Um, all right. Well, that's it. We are we are over our allotted time, Joe. Sorry, man. We are there's over, a lot, dude. We're, we I know it was a ton. Games, we and you know what? Fan feedback. Here's, here, you know, we here's we the can't thing. sort the fan feedback just because you know I, we got two I know. games to talk about. I know, but here's the thing: is I came into this show saying, "Okay, we're going to go over. We're going to do the pregame for Oklahoma State." <laughs> I told you. So, yeah, you're right. Work. You're right. So, anyways, we will be back with the pregame for Oklahoma State. Uh, no, pregame we'll for that tournament. For the tournament, right? But we'll do Oklahoma State. But then yeah. we'll we'll do the the two team. You know, we'll we'll fly. We'll do give a you touch a little bit go. of information yeah. about that stuff. Since yeah, the other two teams, and then um, hopefully Wake. So it's packed. It's packed. The last yeah. the last football pregame is coming up. Coming at you. The last double dip. Yeah, episode. The, well, no, maybe, no, maybe no, not. no, maybe no, not. no, 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 no. Post-game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, all right. Look, I want to thank Manscaped.com. Go there. Enter the promo code armchair. Get 20% off and free shipping and bluechew.com. Go there. Enter the f- promo code armchair and pay $5 shipping and get, uh, I think it's six pills for free. Try them out. Thank you, Armchair Media. Thank you to James on Guitar. Thank you to all of you for listening. We really appreciate you listen, listening and, and spreading the word and joining yes. in on fan feedback. So that is it. For Joe, I'm Sean. We're Thanks for listening to the Q's Militia Podcast, the fan's voice with Sean and Joe. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.